0: I'm Ali Hill and welcome to Stand Out Life, a podcast dedicated to exploring what does it take to live boldly amongst the busyness, the mess and the uncertainty of our world. Erin Deering is an Australian entrepreneur and co-founder of global swimwear brand Triangle. From pioneering neoprene cuts and the influencer effect, Erin, alongside her co-founder, successfully grew Triangle into a 200 million dollar US valued company that has gained cult-like status with women all around the world. Erin's story though is unique and in this conversation we dive into what was going on for her at this point in time of success by every measure in inverted commas that we would see success. Erin talks about how she neglected her mental health, how she felt completely alone in this time of rapid growth in a business that she couldn't have planned to have grown as quickly as it did. Erin also talks quite openly and vulnerably about how she numbed through that period and now what she's doing and how she measures success in a very different way. This is an honest and a raw conversation and a pull towards the work that Erin is stepping into next with supporting women entrepreneurs and those who are navigating their own ambition. Erin's mantra is for women to not want to feel alone in what they're doing. Erin, it's such a delight to connect with you.
1: Hi, it's very, very good to be here. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me on.
0: Oh there's plenty in your story in, in in this conversation that I'm excited about but I'd love to start by asking you to tell me a little bit about your story your background where did you grow up what was growing up like for you Yeah
1: so I grew up I'm I'm a Melbourne girl originally so I'm back in Melbourne now I was born in born in Melbourne um my parents were very classic sort of middle-class family. Um, My dad worked, my mum stayed at home, I'm one of three. Um, Very sort of standard childhood life, early childhood. I guess the one thing is that we moved around a lot through Australia, Um, so Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide and Melbourne. So I spent, I went to sort of I think eight or nine primary schools Um, which you know was amazing and our parents made it such a fun experience it was never hard i actually loved being the new girl i found that really character building and i mean at the time i didn't realize it was character building but on reflection it's like one of my greatest sort of strengths is is to be able to go into a room and sort of just connect with people and i think that was that sort of part of my childhood but it was just really fun it was like oh i got to make new best friends all the time um so, yeah, so really straightforward. Moved back to Melbourne in 1995 after sort of moving around a lot previous in the, in the previous 10 years
0: and then... What was the prompt in moving around? What was, yeah, was
1: so my dad was um, really senior sort of manager, managerial role at AAMI Insurance and they were kind of getting him ready to take on one of the top jobs in head office in Sydney. So they kept moving him to all the states to manage each state. So we just moved around with him and it was all just very, felt very easy, felt very fun. It was like, you know, you, you could say, it felt like we'd stay somewhere for a few years and then we'd move on. So um, so it was really great. And then he ended up moving jobs and and left AMI when we got back to Melbourne. And then I was able to go to one high school, which felt weird. I went to one whole school for the whole time. But I'm still <laughs> friends with all my girlfriends from then. So that was probably really the fortunate thing out of that
0: those really formative years where you've got to figure yeah. out how you stay friends and come mm-hmm. back in yeah. along <laughs> the way. <laughs> so, um, but also having that background and skill of um, yeah. meeting new people and, and as you say, being the new kid on the block. And seeing the adventure ahead of that—that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think it also—I mean, moving forward quickly, but I think it also helped when I had to, or well, when we chose to move overseas to start the business to start Triangle. I, um, I kind of went into it like, why not? Because I'd moved to cities I'd never lived in or even visited. So for me, I was like, yep, yeah, great, let's do it. <laughs>
0: cool, makes sense. <laughs> I know what to when do. You- do. Yeah. When you left high school, where were you heading to career wise What were you interested in?
1: yeah, look, I had no idea i um I wanted you know I went through the normal kind of i think processes of what I was good at and then what should I do. so I was always good at grammar and English and drama, so I was an actor and then a lawyer, and then thinking you know more in anything that I could use my voice or or write or spoken language um Acting felt really hard and felt very probably too creative for me. I'm a bit more logical, a bit more business-like in my my mentality. Law felt too boring. Um, I did law. I did work experience at a law firm when I was 16. When you do that in Year 10, and I was like, "Wow, this is boring." It was <laughs> like, "Yeah, no, that's not for me." So I
0: good to know. I up the
1: list. I've always had a real interest in people and. Uh, I guess the psychology of people. So I thought about psychology, but the grades, my grades would have been not good enough to get into that. So I dropped that idea. So I didn't really know what to do. And when I left school in year 12, I had no no idea, no plans. So I didn't go to uni and I never went to uni. I thought I'd just take a year or two off. I ended up just moving into working in retail. Um, and that was my sort of connection with people and getting that sort of, um, and fashion. I've always been obsessed with fashion. So that was kind of one that was, they were kind of seemed like a natural thing to do. So I just stayed doing that for for a number of years. And um, there was a lot of like, you know, I didn't love it. I, a lot of the reason why I didn't love it was because all my friends were at uni and they were all studying to do great, like have, you know, do great things. And I was like working in retail, whereas now I look at that as it was so formative for, my business and what I'm doing even now but back then it was so much shame around not going to university especially because I went to an independent girls school so my parents did pay to send me there and it was a real sacrifice for them and I was like sorry no uni um but yeah so I worked so I worked my way up I went into you know I did a lot of store management roles and then I worked my way into sort of head office um into marketing product development thought I wanted to do buying for a while but again A lot of spreadsheets, a lot of sitting and not the glamorous on the move sort of lifestyle that I thought buying was. Um, And yeah, and then, you know, ended up kind of getting some pretty good traction in e-commerce from retail. And because that was, you know, when would that have been? 2010, 2011. That was when the internet was really sort of taking off for for e-com and people were having online stores and realizing the importance in having online stores And so I kind of got involved in that because I thought that was just really cool. It was also had that kind of, I guess, startup vibe within a business. So I really liked that element. So I moved into setting up a few online stores for a few businesses in terms of the customer journey and taking the retail shop floor onto onto an online store. Um, And so I did that for a while, which I loved. It was actually really exciting and and a great time. It was even sort of. Not pre-Instagram, but when Instagram was still basically just photo with a with a sepia filter, <laughs> very very simple food.
0: days, the old <laughs> the old days, the older days. <laughs> yeah, two filter options, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that was about it. You obviously went on and founded Triangle, the swimwear label. Tell me yes. about the second date that sparked the idea yes. behind the business.
1: Yeah, so second dates. Being at the beach are are not common. I feel quite daunting. Um, I was already very intimidated by Craig, who's my co-founder at Triangle. Um, we met. He's ten years was ten years older than me. I was twenty seven. He was thirty seven. Um, you know, he's an ex AFL footballer, so very very tall, handsome man, and and also you know was a fashion designer. So really, it's funny because. I always used to say to my girlfriends, I will end up with someone who, you know, who is a fashion designer and who played football. I literally put that out there as as this kind of no one, lived. no one does that. There's no one that will do both. It was sort of like this pie in the sky. And then I met Craig and was like, oh, that's weird. You are actually the man I dreamed of." It was quite odd. Um, but... So we, we met, we had our first date, um, normal dinner, and then the second date we had it at the beach. Um, and I was not a bikini girl, I wasn't a swimwear girl. So I panicked and was like, I have to go. Something amazing. I had like cotton on black, and that was before cotton on actually got quite good in terms of their product offering. So it was a really yucky, basic black pen that's all I owned. So I went um, shopping on the morning of that date and couldn't find anything in the shops. I went to Chadston, um, which is a shopping centre in Melbourne, and I couldn't find anything. There was surf brands and then there were um, like higher end, like Zimmerman, which was sort of the, the, and that was, you know, $60 or $50 for the surfwear brands, which weren't my style at all, or $155 for Zimmerman, which was their price for all their bikinis, which was like, for for a girl that's on a pretty modest full-time salary, I was like, oh, that's a lot for a bikini. Um, I ended up buying the Zimmerman One because I was obviously trying to. Uh, it's it a big commitment pay. for the second
0: date. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm like, I you know, got to set things up well, and um, as soon as as I got down to the beach and and we started chatting, and he said, "That's that's a really nice bikini." I said, "Well, actually," and told him the whole story, and you know he's he's had a biz- he'd had a business before. Um, obviously, I had it, but I'd worked for a lot of small businesses. So, and we're both on these, he was older, but he was going, wanting to get back into a business and I was sort of wanting something else. I was wanting something more for my life. I knew I wanted more. Um, and, you know, we, you know, we started talking about how there was nothing in between that, those, those two areas. There were, there were a few people doing a few things, but there was nothing commercial, popular, mainstream, cool at a, at around, you know, 80, 90, a hundred dollars. So... That was it. The idea was kind of born that day. Um, it took us, that was in November 2011 um, and we moved to Hong Kong and sort of, you know, about seven, eight months later. So it took a while to kind of get our head around how we do it um, and obviously we both had jobs and, you know, commitments in, in Melbourne and then we just decided to, to really chuck it all in and, and go try and make something work.
0: What's really interesting in that story is navigating a new relationship as well as navigating the kickstart of a business venture. And I understand in that time you you moved to Hong Kong to really commit to this business venture. Yeah. What yeah. was that like? I imagine there would have been this sense of excitement and anticipation as well as figuring it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, Craig is very headstrong. He was very... Um, clear on sort of what he wanted pretty quickly after he met me. It was sort of, we're going to be together and we're going to do this. And I loved that. I was 27. So I was like, okay, great. Um, But it was, it was, you know, I mean, Craig and I ultimately didn't end up staying together. Um, And I do feel like a lot of that is because we became so tied up in the business that we didn't really have a separate relationship. Um, Because from the second time we met, we had a business. Uh, so it we never really got to develop into much of a romantic relationship in that sense or carve that time for us and on reflection I definitely can sort of see how and why it didn't work Um, because it just we just were business partners at the at the sort of at the at the front of it and in a in a romantic relationship kind of you know over there so it was really challenging but it was really exciting at the time it didn't feel challenging at the time it felt exhilarating and 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 you know so exciting that we were going to go and do something that no one really does is is start a business but move to the other side of, well, not the, other side of the world but move you know to another country to start a business and in an area that you know, like selling swimwear online, although we didn't start online actually, but selling swimwear, it was just something that neither of us had done. So it was just a lot, it was ex- but it was exciting.
0: And you you are, you're, you're learning, you're making decisions each day. That's That's really kind of anticipating it. The business obviously has been a global success and, you know, from that kind of start. Was there a moment or can you think of moments where you kind of went, okay, this is... This is really getting traction. This is kind of either we've made it or we're making it. We can see this momentum of the the visions coming to life.
1: Yeah, like yes and no. Um, you know, we started off with nylon spandex, so we're known for our neoprene, which is a wetsuit material. But we started with nylon spandex, um, which is a, that's the normal thinner material. So that was kind of when we put that out. It just felt a bit like normal and just not nothing like super exciting it was a bit of a hustle and a push to kind of get people to buy into it and want to buy the bikinis and we were you know a lot of strategic sort of selling there do we do wholesale like how do we push how do we make something new um, and then when Craig found the neoprene fabric because um, he used to go to the fabric markets in China to source the fabric he's very much sort of um very obsessed with the quality and and the quality control and picking everything himself which was a testament to how the business sort of was set up because everything was managed by him um, when he came back with neoprene and we made it into a bikini and we put it on and that was kind of that was the first like oh this is good this is good this is different like there's something there's something here that's a real hook you know because the other styles didn't have a hook they were just kind of what other people had done they were similar-ish to the Zimmerman bikinis but done in our way um so when we did the neoprene it felt really different um and then when we put it out to the market people started to respond differently than they did with the others and we thought "Mm, okay people like this it's interesting and it was a lot of intrigue at the start of sort of like what is that like interesting and then as we kept going with it because it was something unique but and then on top of that we were moving forward using Instagram as our sort of marketing platform back when Instagram was very new in terms of being used for businesses and it really hadn't been used by businesses much in Australia at all pretty much but overseas a little bit but not as much Um, and so when we it kind of was just like a pretty steady trajectory of going going up and getting traction and having wins on on like we'd put that style out and then it would sell that many pieces and it was just growing really steadily. Um, it was once we started to get some cut through on influencer um, sort of, or they were called bloggers even back then, um, when they started posting and sharing and we started to really find a few key strategic moves in terms of we used a gift without expecting anything in return. Um, so there was a very organic exchange with, with women of, of saying we really like your – and we also gifted to women that were, were – they're known now as micro-influencers, but back then they were just women who had followings that were pretty small, and we would gift to them. So it was heavily based around a few strategic moves of word of mouth, of genuine connection and interactions, of not expecting anything from these women truly, just saying here's a bikini. And we would we, we, we had such faith in our product that we thought even if they don't post – They'll tell their friends, I got this free bikini. I'm not even anyone, and like I got how good. And that worked. And I still believe that would work today. I really do. I think that connection was key to the business growing. And it was when we were having those connections, and you could it was just, I mean, it's hard because I I I don't like to sort of talk about the um like energy of it because it's a bit untangible, but it is the truth, is that there was an energy and you could feel it. We could feel we were doing something that felt special and different and um you know there was always the fear of like when will this stop or will this keep going but it just kept growing and we just were doing things that we knew were different to how anyone had done that sort of way of selling before so we and it was so aligned with what Craig and I believed in as well that it just was like it felt quite seamless it felt quite it was hard but it felt quite easy at the same time because it was truly what we were both good at
0: doing that we did. And I can imagine it's a bit like kind of riding a wave when you're on it you need to kind of keep going and and to be able to keep that energy, maximize the opportunities as they're coming. Are you happy to speak because it is an incredible success story when we look at the external measures of success. Yes. And we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit about the personal cost to you. Yes. But are you happy to talk to what some of that success was the, yeah, the kind yeah. of traction you were getting the kind of revenue you were making yes yeah. those elements yeah so
1: it was it was pretty steady um you know we we were selling you know it, it was a, it was a steady growth between sort of I would say we we sold our first bikini at the start of 2013 and then 2013's revenue would have been around I want to say around 5 million um, US dollars could be wrong in this because I've I only usually talk about the, the peak of it because that's sort of where you kind of were like but it was still doing really well pretty quickly we had six months of of sort of slogging and then it just kind of took off and then the second year was around so 2014 would have been around 15 to 20 million in revenue uh, and then 2015 was 55 Um, million US dollars of revenue. Um, And that was our peak year. And then it kind of stayed around that for a few years until I exited. Um, So to give context to that, we kept about half of that. So our profits that we took were phenomenally high because it was just Craig and I. We really ran everything ourselves. We had this global business with just him and I in a small supply chain office in Hong Kong but you know no marketing team no no operations team no anything it was it was literally Craig and I and and, and um, a few other people here or there we did hire a designer to come on to help Craig in 2014 or 2015 um but pretty much just that. So we kept a lot of that money. So we kept sort of half of it. Um So in 2015, we were selling around in our peak season. So we were very, obviously, swimmers was very seasonal. We were global, but our biggest market was and still is, I believe, in the States. Don't know that for sure because I did leave a few years ago. Um, So that was sort of, you know, even from December through till July, um, there was always a really dead few months, sort of July, August, September, October, because that's, heading out of summer in the States and it's not summer in our part of the world yet, so it's kind of quiet. But we were selling during our peak around 2,000 pairs of bikinis a day um, and sort of doing sales. We were averaging around $100,000 US of sales a day, um, which Mind for it's kind of like how did that many people want bikinis? And we only had a tiny market share too. It's just you, you don't – we were so – because we leveled up so much into that space, you became aware of these absolute global, like, you know, you start, suddenly start looking at what Victoria's Secret might do or what Amazon do and you just don't, don't realise how much is out there until you start to step into it a little bit. Because we got to that level where we were sort of at the bottom of the big level whereas we were at the top of the smaller level of sort of mm-hmm. businesses. So when we got into that kind of, it was just like, whoa, like Victoria's Secret used to um send a jumbo jet of stock from the US to Hong Kong like once or twice a week a jumbo jet full of stock because they sell that much and you just be like huh <laughs> like what on earth I mean to sell that many bikinis a day you just like it was like mind-boggling you know and we had three and a half million followers on Instagram and we just had so much traction and growth and everyone wanted to wear the brand and everyone wanted a piece and everyone wanted to talk to us and to figure out who we were and what we were doing and what we were doing next and we were just like I don't know like we're like we're like small business people you know we really and you kind of such this like how do you step into not being that but it's you know it's kind of you don't want to but then you kind of like do should I like it was just crazy it was it was a really really crazy few years
0: and as you say the that kind of um, painting the picture of where we are but also recognizing that there is ridiculous amounts of other levels mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of where you get to but how yeah. quick you get to that level as you yeah. say you're almost you know still in quite a small business not only mindset, but, but physically, uh, it's small business, but being able to meet those kind of orders to be able to meet that demand when it was there is also, you know, a testament to, to no doubt the sheer hours and volume of work and conversations that were happening at the time. Yeah. Talk to me about what your experience was like in parallel to that. So What we see is that external success and all the measures, the numbers of followers on Instagram, the actual sales, the actual profitability, because there's plenty of businesses that will have revenues but not profitable. Um, Yeah. So, so, you know, all of those kind of measures of kind of business we would see as success. Mm -hmm. But you personally were going through some of your own wrestles. What what were you navigating?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I I also had my first child in our busiest year. So that was 2015. Um, So, of course, that was completely life-altering. And we worked all the way through that. I mean, I was emailing and posting in the middle of labour as soon as we had Oscar. Um, It was just, you know, you don't have a day off. But you also don't want to have a day off because you're kind of like, how lucky am I? How lucky am I? That was kind of my thing that I used to say to myself when I was struggling was like, no, but how lucky am I? And it's like you're trying to convince yourself that I've got it, I've made it, I've made it, I've made it. And to be honest, it was the most isolating time. The more the business became successful, the more detached. And like physically we were because we were living in another country and we moved to Monaco also in 2015. So we actually did get further away from Australia and further away from the support. And Hong Kong was where everything happened so my love and and the space I hold for Hong Kong is is really special because it that city really held me during those first years of just going 100 miles an hour and not stopping and I have such comfort in in you know in 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 that city and I take such comfort from sort of every time I think about Hong Kong so moving to Monaco felt like oh my gosh like it was just really isolating and you know and it's it's it was really it was it was really hard because I couldn't tell anyone that I was struggling. I couldn't tell anyone that I had not. So the reason why I started struggling to kind of go back a little bit is when you give yourself so much to a business in that way that we did, um, and at, and at my age as well, sort of late twenties, and you're just going, you're going 100 miles an hour. You're not sleeping. You're not eating. You're neglecting every part of. You know yourself that you should be doing physically, mentally, emotionally, you know and and having a business is really hard it's really stressful, you know at any level there's so so much stress in a business, there's problems every single day, like you literally you're walking in like everything's good and bang, like there's always something no matter what part of a business you're in and what's and what level you're at. Um, and so I, you know, I'd neglected so much of myself that those stressful moments were really monumental because I didn't have any tools. I didn't have any capacity to handle stress, to handle, you know, um, complex situations in business, how to negotiate. I'm, I'm very sort of easygoing, perhaps a bit of a people pleaser back then. So I couldn't have confrontations. I didn't like the situations. Craig was very different to me in his approach and he was all about confrontation, so we were clashing constantly. So I had no, I had no one to talk to, no one, and I was too embarrassed to, to pick up the phone and call my parents or call anyone in my family or call a friend because then like, they'd be like, "Okay, yeah, call cool. Miss Millionaire." Oh, so sad, like successful business, poor you. You know, everyone was looking at me, thinking that's she's living the dream. She's living the dream. The amount of times I heard "You're living the dream," and I was like, "Yeah, I'm living the dream. I'm so lucky." yay and it was just and and in a way the shame around not getting help and the shame around internalizing it that was you know that was that made it worse that perpetuated it that kind of made the problem because it's like we all have our issues and it's fine to have issues but to not talk about them and to hold them in and to that's so toxic for your body and it really is I mean it's it's you know I'm, I'm I'm quite a spiritual person I have a lot of faith in that sort of universe sort of way of living and it's given me a lot of comfort in my life but you know I do feel that that when you're holding on to this is like the logic of it is if you're if you are just holding in emotions and not releasing them it just makes sense that that's not good for your body like it just there's logic to that without going into anything else and I was holding onto a lot for a long time so it really I had to sort of numb myself and suppress those feelings, those big feelings that I was having and I would just push it down and push it down and it became really hard to then feel anything good because I was just blocking out every emotion to get through the day. I was sort of suppressing everything. So that was also the good stuff I was suppressing because I was just trying to get through the day on sort of like autopilot um, and not cry or not have a breakdown or not get into another argument with Craig about something that was just could have been worked through really easily if we sat and spoken about it. But, um, yeah, it just got really out of hand internally and externally. I just was sort of going through the motions by the end of it. Um, and that's not to say there were great times. There were definitely great times within that. And I had a beautiful son who I just adored and, and you know, it's probably a bit of an, a needy relationship from me to him in the sense of I relied on a lot of joy from him and it became that sort of dynamic of, of like, I, you know, I didn't leave his side for more than two hours for two years, which um, is really, un, really unhealthy. When it was set up in the way it was set up for me, um, in that sort of mental sort of space of I need you. Um, so yeah, so it was just a lot of that. It was just, it was just a lot, and um, and navigating through it on my own was probably the biggest thing that I don't think anyone should do.
0: <laughs> no, it's so interesting, and and I hear what you're saying like the stories that we tell right around kind of success and that sense of well I couldn't tell anyone and you know are they really going to listen to me anyway mm. was where was that something that I guess um was true <laughs> uh or more of that kind of sense of a you know I just who am I to to complain I think about so this?
1: yeah I mean you know I i Probably. I think that people wouldn't have wanted to hear it. I I think that it would, you know, it and it would have been better for me to just gone and spoken to professionals who aren't going to have judgment or, and not saying, you know, my my family are amazing and they wouldn't have been judging me, but they would have not had, I mean, they wouldn't have even had the tools to Mm. help me help get through that situation you know they would have just said come home come home come home which I eventually did um but they, that's that's what they would have sort of said they wouldn't have been able to step through it with me because it was it was it was it was so much I needed to really unpack a lot to start to heal and, and move through it um so I it was also that it was knowing that not only did I feel shame myself around it but that I just knew that Friends and family wouldn't be able to help me anyway. I mean, it would have been a good first step, perhaps, but I was definitely, you know, dealing with things that would have been better dealt with by a professional, which I was too embarrassed to go and do anyway, as well. Mm. So.
0: And you touch on numbing. I mean, the thing is, when when things feel like too hard and when it's all consuming, that we do kind of get these hits from. <laughs> putting it down, ignoring it, you know, focusing on yeah. particularly if we, yeah. you know, we've, we've got this child that needs to be fed or, yeah. needs, you know, um, yeah. care and our support. And that's the the kind of sense in the moment. Um, yes. We know that if you numb emotions, you numb all of them, as you say, like right. even the joy and the 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 happiness yeah. and the good good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it can start to be hard that can feel hard to kind of come through. Yeah. Is there particular like what what did that look like for you, the numbing? What were the kind of key and sometimes it's in hindsight we can look back and go, Yeah, that's what I was doing. But in the yes. in the moment we don't see it. What what have you reflected on looking back? Oh,
1: there was so much. I mean, you know, and the funny thing is it was perceived as me just being really humble, <laughs> you know, like we'd be doing, you know, and we'd be like, you know, I'd be on the like rich list, which, which is such a, the BIW rich list, which is such a silly, like, not like it's great, but for me it felt very silly because they make they kind of make the numbers up and it's you know, and they it was sort of something that I never wanted to be on and we'd ask every year not to go on it and then I'd be on it and it was, you know, and everyone would be like, Wow, that's amazing and I'd be like, Oh God, I don't want to be on that. And a lot of it was you know, it was it was like that sort of just that that kind of numbing and not not attaching myself to anything. But then people would be like, Oh, that's so great that you would not be like, look are you? You're so humble and like you're so mm. this and but really it was me just numbing myself to it because even though and I even just saying that then saying, Oh, it's silly, like it's just me, it's just a it's a it's a self deprecating kind of um what's the word? Like it's sort of a defence mechanism to be like, Oh no, that's not me. Oh no, I don't want to acknowledge that. Like mm. I don't because that's so I'm so used to doing that I'm so used to pushing down what I did and my worth and my value and numbing it all off that I still have those kinds of triggers like I should be proud of any publication that I get into for what I for what I did at Triangle um but I still kind of have that mentality a bit which is something I'm working on but um but that was a big one and you know I think that the num it was sort of a combination of numbing And also then seeking those sort of, I guess, dopamine hits elsewhere, which for me was, you know, I've, like I said before, I love fashion. So I used to shop a lot, but it became a very, and I still do this today. So I'm constantly having to check in on it. And it was getting that dopamine hit through buying beautiful things through, you know, I've, I've struggled with disordered eating in my past and that would be, having food and then restricting food and then binging on food and then another one that I would do would be drinking too much and and craving alcohol at every point like and this is something I only was able to shift within me in the last year I feel is I can very easily go anywhere without needing to drink or feeling the need to drink that's shifted for me just recently is I don't get that. Like, oh well, I'll have fun. I'll have more fun if I have a wine in my hand, or I'll be more interesting if I have a wine in my hand. Um, that's something that that was with the numbing. Because with the numbing comes that. Well, how do I get that? How do I feel good? I don't know. Oh, drink, shop. Uh, you know, restrict food, eat food, um, and yeah. So there was a there was that was all going on. I think the numbing really really peaked for me when I could really a- attach that something was terribly wrong was in two thousand and eighteen. I'd exited Triangle but I was still living in Monaco and I was so – and I was living on my own because Craig and I had separated and I had the boys, my two boys, Um, and I was so numb that I wasn't able to smell anything. I'd, I'd numbed my senses to the point of – and I was able to smell but I have a really strong sense of smell. It's like I can smell anything from – you know, and I couldn't – That and I realised one day I went – Oh my gosh! I can't. I can't smell. Like I can't really smell, and that really scared me because I thought, well, if that's if my numbing and my suppressing and my which I knew I was doing, if that's starting to affect me physically, then what else is it doing? And that was at the point where I went, okay, I have to go and get help. Um, and then I did. <laughs>
0: so so interesting how those those. Oh. Almost, I was going to say little things, but they're not. Um, but can be the the catalyst to yeah to change. Were there things? Um, if I think for myself, there are times where I have kind of felt overwhelmed, and and I'll go and have a weekend away, and that'll be enough to kind of fix it. But actually, it needs a needs a much more seismic. Shift and change. Were yep. there things that you had tried um or, you know, that you'd kind of done in that time and then realised, actually, no, this needs to be a much bigger shift? Yeah,
1: yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, exiting triangle was a big one where I, I felt like that would be it and I felt like I would exit and Craig and I would sign the agreement to separate all our assets and I would be free. And then when that happened, I was like, "No, I feel the same." Shit, <laughs> it was like, "Oh my gosh, that didn't work." Okay, all right, all right, something's up. And that was—I remember that being the first sort of big one where I was like, oh, "I just made that really, really big change," but my body and my mind are not there. They're not. They're not coming up to celebrate with me. It's like, oh, mm. so that was a big one. I did, you know, I did start to dabble in a few sort of more healing modalities. I've always just been very naturally interested in sort of doing things a bit differently. Craig actually got me into that kind of space a little bit. You know, even when we were together, we did some retreats and we went to Sedona in Arizona and did some wacky stuff there. And um, I did I went to a beautiful retreat in India and, you know, I dabbled in those things, but I never – because the thing is when Craig and I were together and when I had the business, I couldn't fully address these things because it would mean – leaving him or leaving the business Mm -hmm. because they weren't filling my cup and I knew that so I couldn't let myself go in that because I couldn't because that's the thing Craig and I were in a relationship in a business so it wasn't as simple as ending the relationship or perhaps stepping back from the business there were two things I had to deal with and it was just just monumental it was just too much and the growth was so quick in the business that it was I, I wasn't able to even step away to do that at most of it so it wasn't until Craig and I separated first and then I exited the business is when I was able to go well and I still spent six months of avoiding it of avoiding any work and feeling like I'd just recalibrate over time and kind of going yeah no that's not that was the it was sort of a, in a few months after that was when I experienced physical anxiety for the very first time um and that is something now that I'm very mindful of when I say like oh I'm I have anxiety or I'm anxious it's like no that I'm not I know what that felt like and I feel for people that suffer that because that was the most debilitating two weeks of my life I honestly thought I was dying it was you know the heart palpitations I lost about five kilos I physically couldn't eat I was, my body started to really shut down on me. And I, I was, I was, I'd been given so many signs and so many, you know, like, go do this, go get work, go, go heal. And that was the point where I went, okay, I'm, I'm breaking. And I booked a flight and went back home to Australia sort of like pretty quickly after that realization.
0: Did you have a sense of what was happening in your body? What was kind of driving that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like that. It was, it was a feeling of, yeah, this is, this has got me finally caught up. And it was scary because I used to always worry about suppressing that during those years and what would happen. And I used to fear that I would get really sick because it just felt so toxic inside my body and I had nowhere to release it. I had nowhere to let it out other than through toxic behavior, which really just feels as toxic. So you're not actually releasing it. You're just kind of like bring it, <laughs> you know, kind of like setting it out and absorbing it back in. So that was when, when that happened, it was like, oh, here we go. This is what I knew was coming. And I was so fortunate to be able to sort of just get back home and, and get to Australia and, and have my family around me and, and you know, and start to do a solid stint of self work.
0: <laughs> what has, and no doubt, there are multiple things, time. Uh, but are there key tools or practices that have helped you and continue to help you to reconnect to who you are?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, as I, as I mentioned before, I I am far like I I'm very much into the wellness sort of okay, I guess not wellness but the more spiritual side of wellness. Um I do kinesiology, I do Reiki, I've studied Reiki, I do more traditional therapy as well. I did everything that I possibly could. Um, I'm a big believer in in the honesty and the giving of yourself that you do to the more less traditional modalities. I, I feel like I needed to surrender to them and I felt that those modalities let you do that. It's sort of it's sort of a lot of being told that you are a great person and you have amazing skills and you're connected and and you're guided through life and my big thing with spirituality is that it could all be bullshit like it could you know i don't I don't know I'm not like oh no there's a hundred. I did go through that phase where I was like, no, the universe is real and energy and past lives and I you know and I do believe in it, but I also know. That it actually doesn't matter if it's real or not because at the end of the day it makes me feel so good. There's it's so it's like it's like like I, it made me really understand religion that I'd never understood before. That it makes you feel less alone and it makes you feel guided and supported through life. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. To feeling good and and feeling like you've got people around you when when that are always there loving you for who you are is a really beautiful feeling. So. That was why I went into that space. You know, I, I'm not religious, so I was never going to go and, and do the more traditional church kind of situation. But it probably would have been a very similar path of feeling less alone. But I do like those modalities. So I do a lot of that. I'm very, very honest um, about my journey. I think what I've learned through the last few years is I'm very, uh, you know, I've, it's like women, we're, we're taught to be really. Strong and to go and and especially recently it's like to go at things like bang and like I'm angry and I'm empowered, and I actually feel the most empowered when I'm vulnerable and when I'm asking for help and when I'm saying I'm struggling, or when I'm really honest and accountable about if something goes wrong in my life, like if I have an argument with someone which is rare because I'm not a confrontational person, but if there's a disagreement or or you know my my partner and I if we don't if we're not getting along, I have full accountability over my my part of that and I've been able to do that with Craig where you know we've gone through so much and it would be very easy for me it would be easier for me to hate him it would be easier it'd be easier to be like but I have worked at my accountability piece of going well it wasn't just him it was absolutely me in that relationship as well and in that business and Being honest and accountable has been the most freeing thing that I think I've done and that I continue to do. And that's sort of what I'm trying to move into with my next chapter is helping other women understand that as well. Um, Because I really do. It's when I feel my strongest is when I am vulnerable. And it's like, oh, that's weird. It's not what we're told.
0: (laughs) It's not what we're told. No. It's not what comes naturally. No. But it's, it's the sense of relief or release that can yeah. happen afterwards yeah. that's incredibly yeah. powerful with that in mind looking back is there anything you would have done differently and I know that's really hard because it's yeah. through those experiences that you arrive right yeah. where you're at but yeah as you start to talk about and we'll get to your next venture about kind of mentoring and supporting women yeah, yeah what would you have told yourself Back in 2014, Um, 2015. Yeah,
1: it's, you know, it's tricky because I don't think I would have listened to myself anyway. Um, And I really did need to go through it for the growth that I've had since. So, you know, I I think, I feel like what I would have, trying harder with Craig would have been something that I think would have been better, even just for our children and for the business and for our relationship. We've had to go through four years post-separating and post-me exiting the business of really hard times where we've had to dig really deep to get through it. And it might not have had to have been that way if we'd been better at communicating and more honest through that process. And a lot of that was me because I was so in my own hell that I just wanted to sort of blame everyone else around me. And he was definitely like number one to like blame. So that would be it. But, but I'm not, I wouldn't change a thing. And I, and I, I am really grateful that I went through everything because I needed to. And mine was just a very, you know, I do feel like that 27 to 33, which is a very formative time for a female those years. That was my pretty much my chapter at triangle. And I just kind of had what everyone else went through, but in a very condensed way, like in a little carton of like, we like we're gonna really just make you go through it, so you can come out the other side and teach people about it. So I'm really grateful for it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. And there's so many things that didn't go my way, but there's that's the they're, they're the best, they're the best things because that's where I've learned the most. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing.
0: Part of our our own sense of identity at any point in time is the combination of who we've been in the, our past, where we are right now, and then yeah. what's kind of pulling us forward into our future. Yeah. Um, in terms of that past, and you touched on it before, but do you see either now or a space into the future where you can truly celebrate the success of Triangle?
1: Um. I feel like yes. Um, I definitely not there yet. Um, I can feel that I'm focusing on my next chapter as being the thing that I'll be really proud of. Um, but it, but I do feel I will get to a point where I am really able to sit in that and and appreciate what I did and and what we did. And you know, for me, it's 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 so complex in the sense of you know it was Craig and I and and we've had to really go through a lot to get to where we are now and we're probably just on the other side of being able to kind of acknowledge a bit of what happened but still not quite there yet um and that's you know it would be really nice to share because it was it was just him and I and and that's my 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 goal and my what I would love to get to is to be able to sit with him and sort of reminisce on all the great things that that we did together and that I did I'm not there yet I will admit that it's it's I've I've healed from it and I've moved forward but I'm still not ready to I guess really be attached to it in that way you know I talk about those figures and I talk about that as as, as it happening to someone else it doesn't mm-hmm. I can't really put myself in that still so there's a bit to go on getting there um but you know, even like we bought, I was able to buy my dream house in Melbourne just a few months ago, and even that still feels like it's not quite mine. And I don't, to us, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it never will. Maybe it doesn't really matter. It's not that I'm, fi- I don't have any bad feelings about it. I'm just very neutral about it, and maybe that's fine. You know, maybe that's where I'm meant to sit with it. I, I. I'm mindful to not be attached to those success pieces but then at the same time I'm building a new business where I wanted to be successful so I'm like oh there's a lot of there's a lot of still work I think to be done on on really honoring the triangle chapter for not for what it's given me in terms of the hardship what it's given me in terms of the fact that we built a phenomenal business and we did something that that you know we never thought we would, so it's pretty great, you know. It, it's more than I ever thought I would get from this life. So, um, you know, and I'm that's working.
0: okay to kind of, yeah, I think, see yeah. the curiosity of figuring figuring yeah. that out.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I've not I've not been really asked that before and, and thought of it in that way. So it's really it's really interesting to sort of see how I am still a little bit detached from it. That's all right. <laughs> it's always things to work on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's what makes life interesting exactly. and juicy and, and fun. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what's exciting you about what's next, your next venture um, yeah. that you're launching.
1: So, yeah. So I um I've been, you know, I exited Triangle, moved back home, had two more children. So I've got four small children now. Um, and then we had a pandemic. So it was it was a couple of years of raising my children, working out what to do, really good, really great amount of time to sort of come back to myself in a way um, and work out what I really love doing. And I was was Miss Triangle in that identity piece. So I had to remove myself from that and find out who I am now. Um, And through that, I started sort of finding my voice, mentoring women, understanding the bits that I – pulling out the bits that I loved at Triangle, that I loved here, that I loved there, doing some real – um sort of soul searching and have and, and landed happily on mentoring and educating women um through all facets of life really my 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 runs on the border with triangle um so I do know I have a business approach to things that is very helpful to women who I've mentored in the past but I do have an overarching mental health side to it because of what I went through um I really want to just help it so it's 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 really about empowering women to be honest with themselves and feel their best and honour who they are and, and you know, giving everyone, you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky one because everyone is individual. Everyone has their own motivators and goals and drivers in life. But we're all, not all of us, but a lot of us are following this same metric of success or this sort of trajectory to when we'll be happy. So it's just empowering women to go off that sort of, Beaten track and sort of find their own way, and um, and yeah, and and it's it's not just women in business or who have businesses. It's just women in that sort of age bracket where you know it's just, it's so crazy and 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 nuts how we are hitting our career growth, our peak of our sort of like getting into that as we we're meant to start a family. It's like mind blowing that that's happened for us, you know. And then we're like, oh, well, what do we do? We do we just like push through and and like strive for burnout or do we take a career break or do we you know it's like huge stuff and the thing is it's it's not really that's not really going to change because you know unless we start having babies a lot later but it's still going to happen at some point so you know that's something that I'm really passionate about teaching Um, and even if you don't want to start a family there's still a lot of energy on women to start a family and you're still navigating that biological feeling that all women would, would or most women would have of well, do I want to get more women? I do and it's says all of that. So it's sort of teaching women through that, getting through that kind of crazy time. Um, you know, my my dream is to build a community of women where we're genuinely, you know, everyone's all about supporting women and that's thrown around a lot. Like, you know, what are you doing to support women and what are you doing? But I'm more of the of taking that a step further back and going, well like let's make you feel supported like let's because you know it's like it's like mothers are always told like you can't give from an empty cup and fill your cup first but like that extends to all women like you can't it's like sometimes you sit at these like I've gone to a few events and and people are like you know let's support each other and let's get out there and there's women there going well I don't feel supported so how can I support other women when I don't even support myself first for me or and so we're not getting anywhere in that in that sort of mentality or that kind of way of doing it. So I really want to shift that and and try and actually support women through let's all feel good first in our stages of wherever we are and then we can give to every to, to other women and to anyone else that we want to. So that's what I'm moving into. <laughs> in huge,
0: a huge, really <laughs> yeah. important huge. conversation. Like because I'm not uh, really yeah. Yeah. It's like, like big task. Big task, um, but it's an invitation to that because there is definitely this sense of almost kind of feeling like we're betraying. If if you just want a family, then betraying kind of what the business side is um, or that kind of what we might see as success. Yeah. Um, also, there's a there is a level of ambition at that age and stage, whatever yeah. that is. it doesn't have to be financial success, but there's an ambition yep. uh, that that comes through that. so yep. being able yep. to give voice to that and tap into that. what does it mean to actually ask for help? Do you have a name yep. of the business?
1: um i I do I, ha- <laughs> I do I actually do I haven't I'm not because I'm launching it more as as myself first Great. Um, I'm and I'm going happy to, do to keep
0: it. Uh, yeah, well, if yeah
1: you prefer. I, I get bit, it's funny, I used to hate triangle as a name. So I used to get so embarrassed to even say it. It's like a weird and I still feel that I love the name of my business that I'm moving into. But that's coming. That'll come next year. The mm-hmm. first step is to really um, sort of understand really what what women want, which is the name of that's really Matt Mel Gibson movies. Yes, terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Good though. Terrible movie. Um, And really trying to work out what women actually do want and how what they're feeling. And so it's a lot of fact finding. And Mm -hmm. I'll be running workshops, and I'll be doing sort of strategic business days and mentoring all of sort of next year Mm -hmm. to start to build this community organically. I'm very big on doing things the right way. Um, I've been blessed and cursed with the the phenomenal quick success of so I'm also like yeah it's going to be big tomorrow but I'm mindful that this will take more time because it is more of a heart-led project um, for me so that'll be the first step um, and and sort of just getting out there and and really making sure that what I'm hearing is what I'm offering back and not just going down that path when everyone's like well, I don't want to hear that you know mm-hmm. so a little listening for me next year.
0: investing in that time we are we're chatting in November and it's kind of that season where we start to think ahead of the new year 2023 is around the corner I know Um, and I I love that time of year I think there's something that about it almost feels like a bit of a clean slate to what it could be for you personally yeah thinking ahead in 2023 yeah what do you want to feel and what experiences if 2023 was a great year what is yeah. it filled with? Um, oh
1: look, it is it's going to be busy but not overwhelmed. That's my goal. Um I love finding as close to a balance as I can, but being very fluid with it. Um so you know, I, I drop my boys to school every day, pretty much, pretty much every day at the moment. And I love sort of being able to honour that and still do that with them. So you know what it looks like for me is, is yeah busy but not everyone very grounded learning a lot, building a community of women you know waking up in the morning and feeling like I'm I've got a group of women whatever size that is I don't know yet that are that are feeling better because of what I've been able to give them through my learned experiences and through what I've shared. And I have snippets of that at the moment, which is what's fueled me to move forward. You know, I when when a woman says to me, oh, I saw that you you, you spoke about this and I heard that, so I went and booked in to do this. It's, there's no greater feeling than knowing that what I've done has helped someone else. Um, so more of that next year is really quite simply what it is. And also just watching my children and, and being present with them. I've worked really hard on healing my relationship with myself as a mother because it was quite hard, you know, numbing yourself means that you do sort of, you know, and I, it was it was a lot of work and now the relationship with them is so beautiful and I fall so it's crazy but it's so special and and you know, I try so hard to be a mindful parent with them and to you know, there's four very different personalities, so it's it's one of my that's probably one of my joys and something that I love getting good at is like when you start when you really my seven year old is a is a highly sensitive little boy, and when we have breakthrough moments of, you know he comes and tells me something about how he's feeling and why he felt this and and it's like I'm like yeah done. yes like done a good job yeah so more more of that more of understanding them and and nurturing their growth and being there, you know because I'll be busy next year, so for me, it's that balance which we never we never get, but it's 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 making sure that when I'm with them, I'm really with them and making sure they never feel that I'm not there, and when I say that, it's because physically I'm not always there and I won't be next year because I know I'll be busy and doing you know workshops and doing more work. Um, but when they, when they feel you there, it's not, you don't have to physically be there. If you're really present with your children, this is something that I really want to teach as well to women. Like it's okay to like, you know, be away from your children. If you set everything up with the best intentions and if they really feel why you're doing what you're doing, and and you know that's a, That's a whole other whole other thing. But those are my those are my those are my kind of two things. You know, helping women and, and being there for my children. More of that next year.
0: And being really present to those moments. I think our kids yep. teach us teach us yeah. so much. We were yep. talking before about your new business venture, and I took away the phrase you said. I want I want women to feel less alone. Uh, and when you talk to your own navigating or neglecting your own mental health A big part of that was feeling really alone that there wasn't yeah. someone that you can talk to speak out to yeah um, how are you feeling about that now in terms of that investment back into you those conversations that sense of feeling less alone oh
1: I I am so supported by everyone around me by all my relationships that I work and I work really hard at my relationship with my fiance, Zach, we communicate well. And we, 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 we set these foundations and, and we have the same values and, you know, he's my biggest support and is there for me in the truest way of, will tell me when my behavior, you know, might not be of the level that I want it to be. or, Or, you know, he's like, he's truly honest and I am with him. Um, and then you know my children obviously I don't feel alone I can't feel alone with them uh, but everyone else, I have a great team of you know I'm very fortunate to be able to have resources too and time to have a big crew of of mental health support um, so I never feel alone with with them around me and that's you know one thing that is 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 such a driver in what I want to do next is not every woman or, or man has that time or that that um, financial resource to do those things They're, that those modalities are really expensive <laughs> and I'd see them like I do a lot um so it's building something that's more accessible for people so they feel less alone in a more palatable way um but for me I I feel really supported um in every aspect of my life I and I'm really comfortable with being vulnerable so I will tell anyone when I'm not feeling my best and and, you know, like even probably a stranger on the street. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just very, because I, I feel a real release when I am able to talk about it as opposed to suppress it and then release it in a toxic way or a negative way or a, or a hateful way. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really supported and I, I've i put in a lot of work to get there. So I'm it's one thing that I'm, you know, I can very easily sort of say I'm really proud of myself for how far I've come to be able to not feel alone anymore. You know, it's 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, real testament to the work that I know that sits behind that, because there's there is a there is a courage in the quiet moments that that is required. Uh, mm-hmm. for that to happen so mm-hmm. really appreciate you sharing your story and the honesty and vulnerability that sits behind that Erin if I come to my final question the name of this podcast is called standout life yes when you hear that term what does it mean to you to live a standout life
1: um, oh that's a good question for me it is to be a leader um and to lead with honesty and in, and integrity, and to have passion and purpose, and they're all such overused words, but most people that don't really, you know, like they don't really live in that way, and it's not because they're bad people. It's it's because or, or they've gotten lost, or it's just it's just you know people there's so many layers and I'm all about peeling back the layers. So for me living a standout life is to be is to sit in true honesty and 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 have purpose every day and um to just be me. It's 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 I'm I'm going on a really long-winded way of kind of saying that living a standout life is just being myself and that's where I'm at now because I've done a lot of soul searching to get to this point and my metrics for success are different and my the way I approach my life is so different um, to how it used to be. So living a standout life is just living the life that I'm living now, which is just waking up in the morning and being myself um, because I've done a lot of work to get to that true level of me, not that level that other people see me as or that other people might want to see me as or that I might want to see myself as. It's like I'm actually just me because... I wake up every day and that's just how that's just how I approach every day now um being totally true to myself to the point of oversharing at all times
0: (laughs) (laughs) but you know what the alternative is and I think yeah where you share that story of feeling lost that brings a a level of gravitas to to what might feel like a cliched statement yeah I know that's why
1: I was like going on this tangent going god Aaron, stop saying all these words. <laughs> I want to live with passion and purpose and integrity. And, but they they're to me, they uh, they have a lot of weight behind them mm. because that's that's how I live now. You know, it really, really is. It's it's so. It's that, it's that simple and that cliché. But clichés are there for a reason because they are,
0: <laughs> they are real. They're just overused. <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's not to ignore the work that's that's yeah. behind yeah. that. Yeah. It's not um, you don't go down to the corner shop and grab your passion on a Monday morning no. with your local smoothie, unfortunately. <laughs> I would <laughs> I, I would have bought that every day
1: yep. back in the triangle days. I've <laughs> paying lots for that. <laughs>
0: So I wish we could do it online. I've mean, no, yeah. been good.
1: Yeah. Oh, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe, and say.
0: Yeah. That's what I hope you're doing. I've loved this conversation, Erin. I really, really appreciate your time.
1: Thanks, Ellie. Thank you so much.
0: Again, if you've loved this conversation, my ask would be: is if you can share this with others, so that we can continue to create and dive into great conversations with extraordinary people. If you are on Apple Podcasts, if you can take two minutes, maybe even 30 seconds to rate and leave a review for Standout Life Podcasts, that would just be so invaluable for me. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I love these conversations, but more importantly, one of the things I do love to hear is the feedback on how people connect with the guests and the conversations that we dive into. Until next time, have a great week and I'm Allie Hill with Standout Life.